All right, we are in the book of Mark, and we have been there the past few weeks, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 6 this morning. We're just marching through Mark. So um, now I know sometimes uh, preaching can be a little bit, probably the word I would use is corrective. Like it's like, here's what you're doing wrong with your life and how you need to fix it. Um, and listen, we all need that, right? Because we're all idiots. Can, can I get an Amen. <laughs> Nobody wants to amen that, but it's true. It's true, right? Like, we all need correction. We all need direction. Um, and listen, we should be hungry to grow. We should want that a little bit. Uh, maybe not a lot, because that's maybe a little bit messed up. But we should want it a little bit. Like, we should desire to grow in Christ. That's part of being a follower of Christ. And so sometimes you hear those words, and it's a challenge, and it's hard, but it's good. This message is not that this morning. I got good news for you this morning. We're going we're gonna to mix it up a little bit this week. Uh, this message is an encouragement. And, and it comes from something that we're looking at a story in the life of Jesus in something that was probably a little bit discouraging to him. But the good news is that if it was bad for Jesus, things are going to be d difficult for you. But listen, he's given you what you need to get through it. And, and because things are hard in life, because circumstances are difficult, it doesn't mean that you're not doing the right thing. It doesn't mean that you're not following God's plan. It just means that life is hard sometimes. And the good news is that God has promised to be with us. So I want you to be encouraged this morning as we look at his word that God is faithful even when it seems like everyone is against us. That God is there to walk with us. And as you're faithful to him, um, he's going to honor that faithfulness as well. Um, so we're going to read in Mark chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 6. Uh, and this is Jesus teaching, and it's all the people that saw him grow up, and they're wondering, what's up with this guy? <laughs> like, isn't this Jesus, like, who we saw this little kid who was running around the streets? And, uh, you know, I mean, like, they saw him growing up. They saw this little child, and now he's speaking with this authority and this wisdom. But let's just read the word, and, and you'll see what I mean. Verse 1 of chapter 6, if you have a Bible, you can, you can read along with me, otherwise we'll have it on the screen too. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? And is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed him, healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. Now, I kind of find that a little bit funny that Jesus couldn't do anything in his hometown, so he just healed a bunch of people. We would call that revival. Like, I mean, that's how Jesus operated. Like, uh, but even Jesus in his hometown, he struggled with people 
who failed to believe. Can I tell you something this morning? And I know that might not seem like the most encouraging story in the whole world, but here's the reality. When you walk with the Holy Spirit, you walk in power and in wisdom and in authority that is not natural. And you have the ability to do the supernatural, not because of how wonderful you are or how spiritual you are or how many times you've read your Bible or, or how, how pious and, and um, committed you are to the cause of Christ. It doesn't really have anything to do with that at all. It's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And because he's given you that, you have authority beyond your natural means. And so they're looking at Jesus, and they can't reconcile this because they know natural Jesus. They saw him growing up. He was just another child. Like I mean, he lived a sinless life, so he was maybe a little bit different than the other children, but he was still a kid, right? He was still little Jesus running around uh, just, just like all the other kids in the neighborhood. And now he's got this authority, and now he's speaking with this wisdom, and, and they can't reconcile it in their heads. They can't figure out how this is possible. And this is what's incredible about Jesus is that uh, he, he just speaks in such a way that uh, everybody else is just like, where does this come from? And you know what? That same ability is inside of each one of you. And there are going to be things that people use in your life to discredit you. And I want to share three of them this morning that come right from this text. Three things that people will use to discredit you just like they used them to discredit Jesus. And, and here's the good news. Here's the encouragement. If they use these things to discredit you and it wasn't true, then, then these lies aren't true about you either. Right? If they weren't true about Jesus, they're not true about you either. So the first one is where you're from. Can I, can I tell you something? God is not impressed with your pedigree. Okay? He doesn't care who your parents are. It doesn't matter where you went to school, where you were educated, how many uh, letters you have after your name, right, for degrees. It doesn't matter where you grew up. Um, we see this again, again, and again in Scripture. It's people being underestimated because of where they're from. Remember the story of Gideon? Right? Some of you are like, this is what we're, we're talking about in small group this week. So some of you, if you don't remember yet, you're going to, right, as you go to your small group. But uh, maybe it's a couple of weeks down the road. I don't remember exactly. But uh, Gideon is, is this guy who is appointed by God. He's called by God. He's hiding in the wine press from the Midianites. And he's threshing his grain in a hole in the ground because he's scared of the people that are going to come and persecute him. And, and God speaks to him. He sends an angel to him, and he calls him to rise up and lead his people over victory over the Midianites. And Gideon is sitting there in the hole in the ground saying, okay, God, I think you got the wrong guy. <laughs> like, I'm down here hiding because I'm scared. Right? And so he's like, okay, I'll do it, God, but listen, you need to give me a sign. Right? I'm going to lay a fleece out, and if you make the fleece wet and the ground dry around it, then I will know this is the Lord, and I'll have the confidence to go and do what you call me to do. Next morning, God says, okay, I'll show you that miracle. The miracle happens. Gideon says, okay, that's awesome, but I'm going to need another one. <laughs> like, I need to be really sure this is my life on the line here. This time you're going to make the ground wet, you're going to make the fleece dry, and uh, we're going to reverse the miracle. And if that's the case, uh, then I'll do it. God does the miracle again. He says, Gideon, you're my guy. Uh, and, and here's Gideon's excuse. But, but God, 
I'm from the smallest tribe. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm from the smallest tribe, and my clan is the least in the tribe of Benjamin, and I'm the least in my family. Clearly, you've got the wrong guy. God says, that's my point exactly, right? And he goes through this process, and he ends up raising up this army. He does this crazy thing where um, he's supposed to tear down the idols of Baal, but he's still scared, so he does it in the middle of the night so nobody knows it's him. And he's hiding out in his house, and all the people come ready to knock down his door and kill him, and his dad's like, hey, listen, you can't kill him. He's my son, all right? But um, eventually he gets up enough courage and they see that this is the Lord at work in him. And so he brings this army together. It's a small army compared to what the Midianites have. But he brings this army together and God says, nope, too big. Too big, right? I need something smaller so that everyone can see that it's me doing it. And he whittles down this army until the only people that he takes with him are the people who, when they go to the river to drink, they stick their face in the water like dogs and lap it up, right? That's the army that God chose, the crazy people, so that he can see that everybody knows that this was the Lord. And so 300 men go and defeat this mighty army of Midian. God used Gideon. It didn't matter where he was from. It didn't matter his background. It didn't matter the tribe that, that he was a part of. And it doesn't matter where you're from either. When God called you, he knew exactly who he was speaking to. I'll give you another story. Remember when Samuel, the prophet, went to anoint a new king. God was fed up with Saul. And he said, I need a new king to lead my people. And so he went to the house of Jesse and he said, bring out all your sons. God's called one of them to be the next king. And so Jesse's like, okay. He brings his sons out. They don't even bring the youngest, right? They're like, and, and they go one by one down the line. And, and God is speaking to Samuel. And he's like, nope, that's not my guy. And Jesse's like, no, you know, good looking guy, like strong. I thought you'd be the one, but sorry, next, right? And he goes down the line. He goes through all these sons. And he gets to the end, and God's like, nope, none of them are right. And, and Samuel's like, awkward moment. Hey, by the way, do you have any more sons? Because none of these are right. And they're like, well, we got David. But he's just like, he's out in the field watching the sheep right now. We didn't even bother bringing him into this important meeting. Because there's no way that he's the one. Go get David. He brings him in. And what does God tell Samuel? He says, listen, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. It's your heart that God cares about. It's not about your background. It's not about who you are or where you're from. It's not about um, your occupation or anything like that. It's about what's inside of you, what you believe. Well, here's Jesus preaching in this town. And this crowd is like, isn't that Mary and Joseph's kid? Right? That's probably, that's James's brother. And James is a knucklehead. Like, Jesus, he didn't sin, but James sinned all the time. So, like, listen, this can't be the one. <laughs> isn't he from Nazareth? That's like somebody saying, isn't he from Watertown? <laughs> Man, I've been waiting all morning to bust that one out. I'm just kidding. I love Watertown. I love Watertown. Y'all are wonderful. Y'all went to the state tournament this year. Congratulations. So proud of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, they're looking at him and saying, Nazareth, like, that's like the armpit of Israel, okay? There's nothing. In fact, there's even a script. Does anything good come from Nazareth, right? 
Like that was the impression or the idea that they had. But Jesus' worth wasn't based on the town that he lived in, the town that he was born in. It was the fact that his identity was the son of God. And just like Jesus, each one of us are part of God's family. Scripture tells us that we've been adopted into his family, that we are now sons and daughters of God. So your worth, your value to the kingdom of God is not dependent on where you came from. It's who you are. Here's the second one, what you know. Does anybody in here know a name dropper? Or sorry, I said, I said what you know. It's who you know. Let me try that again. Uh, I skipped one. Oh, my goodness. I'm having a hard time this morning. We'll get to who you know. I combined the two is what I did. The next one is what you do. What you do. Um, one of the things that they pointed out about Jesus was the fact that he was the son of a carpenter, that he was himself probably a carpenter because that's how it worked. Like you follow in the footsteps of your father. He would have learned his father's trade. And so this is Jesus, the son of Joseph, the carpenter. This wasn't like a, a noble, respected profession. This wasn't, in fact, we know from scripture that the carpenter wasn't wealthy, um, it, that Joseph and Mary weren't wealthy. In fact, when they went to the temple to sacrifice, um, there was a expected sacrifice, but then there was an exception for those who were poor. Uh, that they could offer two pigeons in the temple instead. And it, it, Scripture tells us that Joseph and Mary offered two pigeons as they came to dedicate Jesus at the temple. Uh, so we know that his family wasn't wealthy. We know that they didn't come from much. We know that, that Jesus wasn't this uh, amazing uh, politician or somebody famous or some celebrity or anything like that. He was the son of a carpenter. And we look at Scripture and, and we see God uses all sorts of different people. It doesn't really matter what they did before he called them. In fact, do you remember the prophet Elisha? As Elijah went and called him, what was he doing? He was plowing his field. Right? He was walking behind some oxen, plowing a field. Um, David was tracked down like we just talked about while watching the sheep in the field. Um, most of the disciples were poor fishermen. And Jesus called them while they were fishing Paul was a tent maker. None of these are glamorous positions. They're jobs, right? But God does not value you based on your job or even your natural abilities and talents, right? Your value comes from your calling. It comes from who he says you are. It comes from your identity in Christ. Your profession doesn't speak to whether God can use you or not, nor does your education or anything even about your talents or abilities, like, oh, listen, I could use so-and-so, but, but they just aren't very skilled. God doesn't work that way. God gives you what you need to do what he's called you to do. That doesn't mean he doesn't ever use your talents or abilities, but he's not dependent on them. He doesn't need them. He doesn't need you to be smart. He doesn't need you to be talented. He doesn't need you to be wealthy. He just needs you to be willing. All right, here's the third one, who you know. Does anybody in here know a name dropper, right? See, we get there now, okay? Right, like somebody who's constantly talking about the important people uh, that they know. <laughs> uh, and they just can't wait to tell you how they met this exciting person, right? And how they have a picture on their cell phone. 
and uh, it somehow improves their value as a human being because they know this famous person. Can I be honest with you this morning? Your network does not impress God. Okay? Like, who you know doesn't matter. Anybody in here watch Shark Tank? Right? Have you seen that show? I, I don't watch it regularly, but I've watched enough of it that, uh, that I, I enjoy every once in a while. And the premise of the show is this. You, you get these like famous venture capitalists, and they all sit in a row, and, and there's usually four of them, and then you pitch your business to them, and you ask them to make an offer, or you offer to them maybe a piece of the company, and they offer cash as as to buy into that company as well. And so you have all these people, and one of the things that you'll hear a lot on that show is, well, listen, you're not just getting my money in this investment, you're also getting me, right? It's important that I am part of your team because I can get you into all these places because I can get you into these stores and because my influence, I have influence on social media so I can open these doors for you. So it's not just my money that adds value to your company. It's my personality as well. (laughs) And listen, in the American church today, we are obsessed with personalities, right? Uh, We have our favorite people that we listen to. Uh, we might have um, shows that we watch or, or different preachers that, that we regularly listen to. We might even have be uh, fanboys and fangirls of different worship leaders. I just love their music and the way they write their songs. And, um, and we elevate people to this place. And, and then it's, it's our relationships with those people that we turn to when it comes to adding value to our life, and we said, listen, if, if I was only like them, or if I only knew them, or if I only had this relationship, or I could get in the door like this person, then God could use me. And here's the truth. God doesn't need them, and he doesn't need you. It's only because he's chosen you and he's called you that we get to be a part of his plan and of his purpose. It's not about who you know It's only about one thing. It's not about your background or where you're from. It's not about your job. It's not about your income. It's not about the connections that you have. It's about what you believe. The only thing that matters is what you believe. As we read this story, says that Jesus said to them, Prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And verse 6 tells us, And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now, I don't know about you. I really want to amaze Jesus. Like, I want to be... uh, I want... It to be said about the things that I do that, that Jesus would marvel at me, but not because of that. <laughs> like, can you imagine? It's your opportunity to impress Jesus, and the thing that he's marveling about is your unbelief. <laughs> that is discouraging. But how often do we come to the place of depending on God 
And when he calls us to take that step of faith, when he calls us to do something, it's our doubts, it's our fears, it's our failures. It's all the things that we've conditioned ourselves to believe that we aren't capable of doing what he's called us to do. And it's in that moment that we fail to trust God enough. Listen, it's when, when, when you're struggling with self-doubt, with fear about who you are inside, with, with fear about what you can do, it's not your inability to believe in yourself. It's really a lack of faith in God. Because if we believe what he's said about us, and if we believe what he's told us, and we understand that we are who we are in Christ because of what he's done for us, then it doesn't become about what we're capable of anymore because our trust is in him. So here's the encouragement today. There are going to be people that are going to constantly try to discredit you. They're going to try to tear you down because of your past, because of your failures, because of your mistakes, because of your lack of, of qualification or, or maybe even the people that you associate with. But the hope is this. It didn't matter for Jesus and it doesn't matter for you. Because who he says you are and who he's made you to be is an adopted son and daughter of the king of the universe. Scripture tells us he's giving us everything that we need for life and for godliness. And so everything that he calls us to, he equips us for. So whether you believe it or not, that's inside of you. And sometimes it takes that practice of stirring up faith inside your heart. You know how scripture tells us we get faith? By hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing the word. So as you go to church on Sunday morning and you hear the word and you hear what God says about you and, and you begin to believe scripture, that's building up faith inside of you. And as you talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ and you share testimonies, you encourage one another, that's building up faith inside of you. And as you spend time in prayer and you start confessing with your mouth what scripture says about you to be truth, that you're forgiven, that you're free, that you're, you're blessed, that you're favored by God, all of those things are true whether you believe them or not. It's just a matter of starting to understand them and hold them as truth. So as we close today, I'm going to ask that you just bow your head in this place. And I, I just want to give an opportunity to receive prayer. And, and maybe you've wrestled with self-doubt and you've wrestled and struggled with feeling unqualified. Maybe it's God's put somebody on your heart that you need to share Christ with. Uh, maybe it's uh, a ministry that God has called you to start. Uh, maybe it's, uh, I don't even know what it is. I don't even want to speculate what it might be. But you've allowed Satan's lies to talk you out of it for too long. And God is saying, that's enough of that. Today's the day I'm going to start believing the truth about who God says I am. Just like Jesus faced doubt and faced criticism, you will too. 
but it's not the truth. So that's you this morning. You want prayer for faith in your heart. You want prayer for belief in who God is and what he's called you to do. That's you this morning. Would you raise up a hand in this place? Yeah, there's hands up all over the place. Just keep them up for a second. In fact, I'm going to ask you just to stand up if that's you. Take this step of faith and just to stand. Yeah. Listen, I believe the Holy Spirit is moving in this place right now, that, that he's speaking truth over your heart right now, that he's reminding you of your value, that he's reminding you of your purpose and your calling, that he's just pouring that truth into your heart right now. So I'm going to ask if, if you're around somebody and you're full of faith this morning, would you just put a hand on their shoulder? And, uh, and we're going to just pray together. I'm going to lead us, but we're going to pray together in this place. The Lord would stir up faith inside of us. Oh. Lord, we thank you for your calling. God, we thank you that you chose us. The foolish things of this world. And you called us into your family. You adopted us. You said we're sons and daughters. God, not only that, that you've called us to be a part of your family, but God, you want to use us in building your kingdom. What an honor, what a privilege, what a joy. Lord, help us to be bold enough to live out that faith. Help us to be bold enough to walk in the truth of your word. Lord, I pray for each person who is bold enough to stand in this place and say, God, I need a little bit of uh, something in my heart right now to stir up that faith inside of me. Lord, I pray that you would right now begin to speak truth into their ear by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that they would remember uh, the joy of their salvation. And Lord, that they would remember the incredible calling and, and gifting that you've given to each one of them. And Lord, I pray that faith would translate to obedience. Lord, that as we walk out of here today, God, whatever it is that you're placing on our heart in this moment, whatever it is that you're speaking to us, God, give us the boldness to be in walking in that calling. Lord, you have given us everything that we need and we trust in you today. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.